Trinity Baptist Church, a community growing in faith, obedience, and joy. You uh, may have heard the saying, everyone wants to be normal, but no one wants to be average. I uh, always knew that I was far from perfect, and um, when I was young, I thought I was below average and anything but normal. And um, I did find that what I yearned for, I thought I would seek greatness, uh, and I thought greatness was status, but I discovered that greatness isn't in what other people think of me. And then I found this one perfect man, Jesus Christ, and uh, he showed me that being great is investing in other people the way he invests in other people. And, you know, I used to value my relationships and rank them based on what I got out of them. But now I realize through Jesus, it's about what I put into them. And Jesus is perfect for me, both in this life and the life to come. And my name is Tim, and that's my story. Okay, we're going to... Thanks. I get to do the reading too. All right, we're mixing it up. So uh, today's reading is um, a bit of the verses around what Sanal had shared with us from Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. And um, if you like to, you can follow along with the Pew Bible. It's on page 1331, 1331. So this is Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high And exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken from tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Uh, I'm an elder here like Dave, who was here before me. Uh, And, um, you know, it's been about a year since I have been able to have the privilege of spending this time with you. Um, I did get quite a bit of feedback from my sermons about, um, like, mentoring people and also that other thing about intimacy. Uh, But, you know, uh, it's been a while since the frequency of, uh, you know, interaction between us has happened. So I want to kind of catch up with you, uh, start us off with a question. And the question is this, uh, does this outfit make me look fat? Okay. 
I'm surprised nobody broke eye contact with me. That's a, that's a good sign. Okay. Um, and I didn't hear any answers, but I realized we're in a big room with, you know, a lot of people and might not be the right forum. Um, if I usually have something tough to deliver, I may wait till it's a more private moment. Uh, but if it were just you and me and we were having sandwiches or coffee, would you tell me? I'd like to run an experiment. Could you turn to the person next to you and ask them if the outfit you're wearing makes you look fat? Okay. Okay. All right. Did, did, uh, did, anybody, did anybody actually get an answer if you asked the question? Okay. So, all right. I think we have some other experiments cascading. Okay, apparently, if I'm asking you if I look fat in what I'm wearing, the best answer is almost never yes. Um, But a good answer usually isn't no either. You know, if you think I'm asking about my appearance, you could say, yeah, that outfit uh, is good on you, or, you know, I like that other outfit better. Um, If it's about my insecurity, you could say, you know, Tim, you're great. Um, If it's coming from stress or anxiety, you could ask, you know, Tim, are you worried about something? What's wrong? Uh, And if you think it might be, I'm I'm thinking about my health, you could say, you know, you look healthy, but what does your doctor say? So, you know, I I really wish the guy who did our premarital counseling, um, my wife is right here, Alice, had told us that this question does, my outfit made me look fat. It's a trick question. You know, because it could have saved my insensitive wife a lot of nights on the couch outside, you know? (laughs) But, you know, if you understand that there's something deeper behind the question, it can give you this opportunity to go deeper with the person who's asking you. Okay. Now, we just spent 27 weeks uh, as a church looking at Paul's letter to the Romans. In my year since 2003, when we started coming, I think that's a record for one series, Now, the last letter that we have from Paul um, is the one that he wrote to Timothy, a beloved protege, and he finishes up this final letter, and he writes, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. We all need to be prepared to share the good news in season and out of season, all the time. Now, I'm encouraging you to come back in the following weeks this summer because, you know, all my fellow elders are working hard on teaching us how to be prepared. Uh, Next Sunday, uh, Pastor James Leonard will be looking at divine appointments. Now, imagine your life if you missed every single interview ever, including those interviews that we call first dates. You would never meet your spouse because you never went on any first dates and you wouldn't have a career because you never went to any of your job interviews. Okay, now, imagine your life in eternity after missing every single opportunity you might have had to share the gospel. How much more regret are you going to feel in heaven for eternity? So I encourage all of us to come back next week to hear what James has to say about divine appointments. Okay, so back in May... Keith pointed us at Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, uh, and he talked quite a bit about them. Um, And they say, how then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? 
and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? From the scripture reading earlier, we see that Isaiah got it. He said these five great words, here am I, send me. He got it. Do we get it? Uh, What are some great examples of news that you could tell someone? I wrote a few down. We won the game. I got into the school of my choice. We're getting married. I got the job or the promotion or the raise or the bonus. And the doctor says everything looks fine. Now, what good news can top all of those examples? Anything we could possibly come up with. How about God loves us so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to rescue us from eternal death, from separation with our creator? Is there any other news that could top that? So then why might we be hesitant to respond like Isaiah? Here am I, send me. Back in the 1990s, the founder of Campus Crusade uh, for Christ, Bill Bright, he summarized millions of survey responses with this conclusion. Only 2% of Christians share their faith with others. Now let's assume that we've got 300 people in the building. That would mean that six of us have shared our faith with someone else. And whether or not that's accurate, I hope that we will all become more intentional about sharing our stories with more people. All right, now let's also assume that this group has been in the city an average of 10 years. Okay, now the person to the left of you may have only been here for two years, and on the right, only two years, but I've been here for 26 years, so the three of us average to 10 years. Okay, and let's say each of us meet a new person every week that we can share our faith with. I just met two people on Thursday. Uh, One was a dad whose daughter is in the same dance camp as my daughter, and uh, the other one was this friendly barista who told me I could get a 54-cent refill on my lemonade iced tea. And, uh, and I, I really want to go back and see both of these people again and look for an opportunity to share with them. So a, a new person every week, that adds up to 50 people a year, right? Times the 10-year average, times 300. Now that adds up to 150,000 people. That is 2% of the population in New York. And if just 49 other churches our size went and shared faith that way, in 10 years, every single person in the city would hear from someone in the city about the good news. And, you know, if we kept doing this, if all of us did this for 70 years of our lives, just the 300 people here would hit a million people. Now, you heard about the Ground Takers campaign. I just checked in with Debbie again. Uh, It's starting today, but it's not too uh, late to sign up. And the Ground Takers, this is a great campaign that's been going for a few summers now where we're covering the city in prayer. It turns out that we can also cover the city with the good news. It's not going to be difficult for everybody in the building to bring the good news to a million people. Bill Hybels, in his book, Walk Across the Room, something that all the elders read together um, last year, I think it was, he observes that we like to stay ensconced in our circle of comfort. And, you know, as a person who managed uh, money through the dot-com bubble of 2000 and also the Great Recession of 2008, I know that people don't like uncertainty. We don't like financial risk or volatility any more than Jesus' disciples enjoyed those storms that they were caught in. 
But, you know, some of my personal successes um, have been navigating through those financial storms. Like, you know, Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan. And, you know, sharing our stories with people, it comes with some uncertainty around how they'll respond to us. It comes with the risk of an awkward moment in a relationship. But doesn't all success come with some risk and uncertainty? I think we all appreciate the people who loved us well and took the time to point us to the Savior. Are any of you annoyed with the people who tried to introduce you to Jesus? Probably not, right? And getting good news is not annoying. But here's what can be annoying. Uh, First, the messenger can be annoying. I thought of a few characters from television. Um, Geoffrey Baratheon from Game of Thrones. Uh, Pete Campbell from Mad Men. And Screech from Saved by the Bell. You know, I might take off if I saw any of these characters coming towards me, even if they were coming to tell me something that would change my life for the better. You know, another thing that can be annoying is the messenger's bent or posture. Okay, um, I'm not really a fan of Fox News or MSNBC. And, and I don't judge anybody who is. And, you know, I suspect that a few of us here might watch Fox a little bit or MSNBC, maybe it's Cousins, um, CNN, Comedy Central. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we're a diverse church, and we're a mess that can be beautiful. Um, what I do watch regularly is CNBC and Bloomberg News, and they're kind of habits I formed at work a while ago. Uh, and, you know... News kind of gets served to us on this scale. And I try to find scales that aren't always stuck on one side. And, you know, it's hard to find. Now, there's a third thing um, that I think can be annoying, okay? And that's not having any prior connection to or uh, context with uh, a person. So if there's somebody who's yelling at me and they've got a gun, but they also have a blue uniform and and, and a badge, then at least I have some context for that yelling. And if there's someone yelling at me about my lack of strength or commitment, but it's the personal trainer that I chose, then at least we have that connection. On the other hand, if someone's yelling at me about something urgent and I don't know who they are or what their job is, you know, that can be really annoying. So... The idea here is is we can actually build good context with people, good family context, good professional context, good neighborly context, and and good social context. And then when we do that, people will be more receptive to the good news that we bring them. Uh, In the book of Proverbs, we find this verse in uh, chapter 27. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but an enemy multiplies kisses. And, you know, I quote this all the time, and not just at church. I do it at work, too. Better are the wounds from a friend than the kisses from an enemy. And, you know, when, I, when it comes to sharing the good news, I don't really think about friends and enemies, but I do think about First Amendment Christians versus Fifth Amendment Christians. You know, you know the First Amendment is the freedom of speech thing, and the Fifth Amendment thing is I'm not going to answer that because it might incriminate me. So, First Amendment Christians are those who express their beliefs boldly, without much of a filter. 
And Fifth Amendment Christians are those who don't want to look bad to anyone. But in the end, someone who invokes the Fifth looks bad because they're hiding something important, right? So I have to ask us, are we more First Amendment Christians or Fifth Amendment Christians? Because if you have grown, you know that one of the things that helps you grow is tough feedback from people you trust. Lies from an enemy, they they may make us comfortable for a moment, but they do leave us off worse in the end. So be a good friend. Tell me if I need to tuck in my shirt or zip up my fly. You know, be a good friend who sees what's ahead and lets the people around you, you know, you know, so they can make better decisions for their lives. You know, and listen to your friends, too. Back in 2004, there was a 10-year-old British girl named Tilly Smith who was on holiday with her family in Thailand. She had just learned about tsunamis in school. And two weeks later, when she saw the water receding from the beach and the bubbles along the surface of the sea, she told her parents, and her parents told the locals, and they evacuated the beach. Over 200,000 people died from that earthquake uh, in the Indian Ocean in 2004. But Tilly Smith saved almost 100 people on that beach. People died on beaches everywhere in that region, but not a single casualty was reported from that beach. So we can't let our Fifth Amendment fear keep us from our First Amendment calling. We find in the Gospel of Luke that Jesus taught about a tree and its fruit. He said, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks of what the heart is full of. I suspect that given Bill Bright's two-percenter claim that New York City wants Fifth Amendment Christians. Now, I find myself often packed in tightly with other people. And you know when you're in this situation in New York, the most important thing to do is avoid eye contact. But, you know, it's about the only thing we can do. Because sometimes when I'm, you know, crowded in the subway, I might be very close to someone who hasn't showered in a while or um, their headphones are turned all the way up, or they've got a big bag, you know, that's jostling, and there's a chance that I'm going to be affected by them, regardless. Uh, Not too long ago, my family moved. Uh, We used to live in this two-bedroom, but after our two daughters, we had a son, and he was out growing the crib that was in our bedroom. And so we ended up moving into a rental that could fit in this extra bed, and we sold our condo. And I actually like the new apartment quite a bit. Uh, There's more security, and uh, one time one of our air conditioning units was giving off this bad smell, and right away the building engineer pulled it out, put in a new one, and no extra cost. If I was in my condo, that would have been much more painful. And, uh, you know, the building does this really good job of of package deliveries, so I finally signed up for Amazon Prime. And, you know, I really appreciate those of you who never buy on the Internet because you're saving the local stores. So, so thank you for those of you who never shop on the Internet. Okay, you know, but for my wife, Alice, uh, you know, moving from this other place where we made our home, we had designed all these custom storage spaces. Uh, we had friends who are interior decorators. They help us pick colors. 
And, you know, we brought our second and our third baby home uh, to this place. Um, it was very unsettling for her. And the most stressful issue we had was when we moved to the new apartment that uh, even though it was against the building rules, our neighbor loved to smoke. And uh, it would come through the uh, electrical outlets and, and the plumbing, uh, and, and not just tobacco. <laughs> and, you know, that, that didn't bother me that much. I have yet to personally use marijuana, but I wouldn't have a problem if a doctor prescribed to me someday. But, uh, but you know, the smoke, it, re- it really bothered my wife. So my point in telling you this is that tobacco and marijuana, they're not important to us, but they were big priorities for the person next door. So whatever fills us up overflows so people around us can detect it. And that's what Jesus was saying about the fruit and the tree. So what are people detecting when they're around you? Are they detecting that you're filled with the Spirit, that following Jesus is your life's priority? You know, if that is true, then God is going to naturally emanate out of you. And you can't pump the Holy Spirit into somebody else. That's their decision to pursue God but, or, or, or not to pursue him. But eventually it will be clear to people what's inside of you, whether it's God or something else. And as Keith said in the intro video, uh, we want you to remember how you felt when the gospel grabbed your soul and the Holy Spirit began transforming you. How much do you want that for other people, this life-changing power of the gospel? You know, until we start fulfilling this great commission to us, it's like an optional suggestion. So Jesus called us. He commanded us to go out with the good news. But it's easy to forget. You know, it's easy for me to forget about what he's done in my life, to let the busyness of the world crowd in, And then he gets crowded out. And so when we speak from the overflow of our hearts, people may not see Jesus. So maybe we're not taking what Jesus said to us about going out very seriously. And if we're afraid of our relationships getting a little awkward, then maybe we aren't thinking about how awkward our relationship is with God. And so we need to bring that into balance. Now, let's say you're just arriving in heaven. You'll probably see some people you know, uh, some other people that you've never met, you know, folks from the Bible. But there probably will also be people you know who are not there and who you will never see again and how you feel about them and how will you feel if you never once shared with them. Now, if you're afraid that you won't share the good news well, there's good news about good news. Number one, it's like other stuff. Practice makes perfect. You can um, practice with your mom or a friend. It's like playing a sport or taking a test. If you practice, you get better. And the other thing is, you know, as we've said before, my fellow elders are coming here over the next several weeks, same time, same place, to teach you how to share your faith better. So God loves you. He loves you so much. And he loves that person that's next to you, that's in your sphere, like he loves you. So what's keeping you from introducing that person to him? We need to leave this circle of comfort for what Heibel calls the zone of the unknown. 
And what did it for Isaiah? How did Isaiah do it? Well, he saw God, and seeing God changed him. Have you seen God? Perhaps not the way Isaiah saw him, but, you know, we can see God. We can see God just in his creation, you know, through other people, through art and music. Um, Do you agree with the sound of music's Maria and Captain Von Trapp that nothing comes from nothing? Nothing ever could. Part of this good news is that there is a creator and he loves us. And when we finally see him, we are changed, just like Isaiah was changed. If we never share the good news, then maybe we haven't seen God yet, not the way Isaiah saw him. So imagine being the beneficiary of this life insurance policy. Someone you know, without your knowledge, took out a policy, let's say for $2 million. They paid all the premiums, and they named you as sole beneficiary. If I knew that this person had done this for you, wouldn't you want me to tell? All I would say to you is, hey, here's the underwriter, contact info, here are the steps you want to follow if you want to collect. What kind of person would I be if I never told you? Okay, so people say that faith is personal, and, you know, of course it is. Having this personal relationship with God, that is the good news. But while faith is personal, it's not private. You know, we all love to share our good news. The new job, the baby, uh, the all clear from the doctor. And they're all very personal things, these things, but they're not private. So what could be better than the creator of the universe who loved this person so much that he came and died for this person and that this person can receive the abundant life? So let's not use this personal faith thing to avoid the Great Commission. So I want to encourage you not to allow a little awkwardness to keep you from sharing the good news, the greatest news that the world's ever heard. You know, awkwardness comes up all the time, especially with me. But, you know, it fades quickly, too. Um, If we're going to be afraid of anything, let's be afraid of that person's future without God. And, you know, people won't always listen. Those of you who know me well know I'm not a good listener. And now my kids don't always listen to me. Now, you may have listened to everything your parents said to you, but not me. That doesn't mean that I'm giving up my kids any more that God is giving up on his children, who he loves. So let's not give up either. Let's share our stories with them. Let's pray together. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of your glory. And woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us your only Son, Jesus, to be perfect for us, so that we might have a relationship with you now and forever. And thank you for sending your Spirit until the end of the world. Here am I, send me. Here is your church, Lord Almighty, send us. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen.